Neil Brown just has that it factor, I believe. He's like, called into the program. Everybody in the Big 12 is going to know his name, and all the quarterbacks are going to feel his pain. That underdog so, mentality has always been big for West Virginia. We're just heartbroken that we were not good at our jobs. He is the modern-day Don Nealon. Trust the climb. And now it's time for the Country Roads Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into the Oklahoma State, rather Oklahoma State, live stream reaction of the Country Roads Webcast. Uh, got Steven here with me. What's going on, everybody? So, um, bad loss for the Mountaineers there. Uh, I know all three of us kind of uh, predicted a loss there, but I think we all expected and as I'm sure everyone else did a little bit better performance than than what unveiled there on Saturday but uh, WVU falls uh, 24 to 3 to Oklahoma State uh, just opening thoughts Stephen uh, whatever you want to lead off with here in regards to the lost Oklahoma State uh, yeah I think we uh, we all were kind of impressed with how West Virginia was looking out of the you know the two games out of the bye week and then like you said, I don't think anyone accepted, expected them to take that far of a step back, you know, this week. I don't I don't know if anybody that I talked to yesterday thought we was going to play that bad. Um, but I will say uh, I give a lot of credit to their to their defense. Oklahoma State's got a defense better than any that I've seen in a good while. Uh, there's a lot of guys. Yeah, there's a lot of guys, especially up on that defensive front that they have that are going to play on Sundays. Um, and I'm that's not i'm going to take a little bit of a quote from neil brown in the presser after the game and say that that's not an excuse that's just that's just what it is yeah that's a fact that's a that's a fact um but west virginia did not play like they wanted to play yesterday uh, defensively i thought we played pretty well through pretty much the the whole game up until the third about halfway through the third quarter and then i think they just kind of got gassed and and they didn't have anything left in the tank um but it just seemed like I don't know if it seemed like this for everyone, but to me, it seemed like West Virginia's defense was on the field the entire day. It just didn't seem yeah. like West Virginia's offense ever really got a chance. But the crazy number that jumped out to me was West Virginia had the the possession time uh, was West Virginia 31 and some change. Oklahoma State only had the ball for 28 minutes and some change. Uh, so I think, you know, that that really was the biggest stat that I, that jumped out to me whenever looking at it after the game because it just seemed like West, uh, West Virginia just couldn't get any kind of momentum on offense um, or even get the ball on offense, virtually anyway. I, I just think that the, the score didn't really reflect how bad of a beating it was for West Virginia. It really seemed like it was a lot worse. Yeah, it's that surprised me, what you said, the time of possession, because I felt like we just kept going three and out over and over. It felt like yeah. one of those games. Like I saw a stat, you know, another number that stuck out was like, that we had three possessions inside Oklahoma State's 40-yard line. And I I didn't even realize that because, to me, it felt like the first drive of the game when we got the field goal, um, we had moved the ball like 60 yards. And other than that, I didn't even know if we had crossed midfield. It was just that bad of a performance that, like, it was like a blur that you thought, I don't, I don't, I don't think we've done anything. I don't know how many – but, I mean, I guess it wasn't yeah. as bad as I thought because, like, I didn't know if we'd cross midfield after that. But – you know, I guess we got into scoring position a, a couple times there, but mistakes really hurt us in this one, you know, just shooting ourselves in the foot. You know, Oklahoma State's first touchdown, we had them stopped. It should have probably been three to three, and then you get the personal foul. I think that was a big play in the game that really swung momentum. Yeah. And then 
even later than that, you haven't been playing good, but you're still in the game. And then you have another play that swings momentum with the muffed punt. And I think both of those two plays were kind of two of the bigger plays of this game, really. Yeah, and I really that muff punt, you couldn't, from my perspective anyway, in the stadium, you really couldn't tell that it was muffed until the ball traveled in the air. It almost looked like it, you know, the, the Oklahoma State guy made it back there, but you couldn't really tell. And I was like, man, that, that really was a bad time for that to happen because. Yeah, that was, I couldn't. I was one, so one thing that I will say, and I know this is one week removed of me agreeing with your, your bold prediction of Jared Deggie starting next season. Yeah. I think I've jumped off that pretty quickly. Um, I think I think that Garrett Green. Well, I might have pulled the trigger a little too early there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, coming the thing about Jared Deggie is this: it's not like this is the first season that West Virginia fans have experienced this. We know we've had Jared Deggie for the last two years, and so we think you know we as West Virginia fans that have watched him grow as a player and watch this offense and as an entirety. You know, you, it's really hard to imagine that he would have taken a step back this far this year with the way that he's played and protected the ball over time. So I, you know, I more than could see, you know, you know, and then I have I've been a, I've been a, a Deggy supporter all season long. Uh, with that being said, I think at this point in the season, I think that he's proven what he can and what he can't do. And what I mean by that is, yesterday he froze consistently. I, I yep. noticed I watched him freeze up all day long. And I mean, and I don't blame the kid. I mean, he's got, you know, those guys firing at him all day long. And those are some big guys up on that defensive front, as I mentioned before. I, I really think that, you know, he just doesn't do a great job of getting out of the pocket and making plays. And West Virginia had receivers open all day long. And I mean, I was watching guys be wide open all day long and hit. He just wouldn't look at it. Well, they, I mean, they pointed it out on the on the TV broadcast, like about third or fourth quarter. They showed re, showed two or three different replays, mm. uh, plays that Daigie was sacked on, and they literally highlighted the wide open receiver that he could have hit on all three of the plays. Yeah, so. it happened. It happened all day long. I I didn't know if that it was if that if it was that noticeable on you know on the television broadcast, but I noticed it all day. And that's one thing that you know Jared Daigie. We've all agreed that he's not a professional quarterback and that's just one thing that he's not good at is looking off defenders. You know, he's looking where he's going to throw it and it's going to he does that every time. And I, I just think with the way the offense performed yesterday, given that it was a good defense, I get that, but you know, Garrett Green got to come in one time to make a play and he fumbled the ball and then he was out for the rest of the game. You know, Jared Deggie's made how – Until how, garbage time. I mean, yeah. And, yeah, until until the game was essentially over. You know, and, Gar- and Jared Deggie makes countless mistakes, 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 game in, game out. Even in the games that we've won, he's made mistakes, and the defense has saved him, and we've gotten the ball back, and we've got, you know gotten other opportunities. But I, I think I'm to the point now. I think I'm on the Garrett Green train, brother. I think with the way that the offense's dynamic changes and the way that they're able to move the ball – uh, I'm curious to see how well that the offense can move with him in the game. I'm not saying that they're going to be an elite offense with him in there by any means, but they are definitely virtually a better offense, you know. And I think if it comes down to play calling, then dumb down to offense and let and you know adjust to that. You know, that's what good coaches do and good coaching staffs do. They adjust to what their players, you know, can can suit to. And so I think that if that's the problem, do that. And right now you're playing for two more wins. You're going to have to get this offense moving if you're going to be able to meet to beat a couple of these teams that you're getting ready to play. Um, you know, Texas isn't playing at a very high clip, but I definitely think 
with the way that the West Virginia and Texas games have gone in the past, you, you're going to, you got to put your big boy pants and come to play and you're going to have to change something about this offense because right now it's with the exception of last week and, and TCU, I get that, you know, they, they looked a little bit better, but even in those games, they didn't look like elite offenses. You know, that, that catch by Bryce Ford Wheaton last week got blown up. Yeah. But that's one catch out of the whole season. You know what yeah. I mean? He had to make a hell of a catch to make that touchdown a possibility. Whereas, you know, we haven't really gotten easy scores really all season long, other than, you know, with the exception of the LIU game. Yeah, you gotta win gotta win two of your next three. So you gotta do something there to to make that happen. And but I, I think we're on op- opposite ends with the Garrett Green thing because to me, I, I mean, um, I agree, you know, Daggy, it's obviously not working. I think the offense would work better with a more mobile quarterback. But I think, and, you know, I know the opportunities haven't really been there. It's very seldom, and that's probably kind of hard to do. And I think, you know, the struggle in this game, you know, we ended up with the fumble. I blame that more on, you know, I put it on Twitter even. I don't like, didn't like bringing Garrett Green in right after that turnover. I think, if anything, that you want to probably take a shot deep after getting a turnover like that, you know, the Dante Steele's interception, and that's when you want Daggy in or you want the leadership. So I think they put Green in a tough spot right there bringing him in. But uh, the one thing I was going to say, um, and I'm glad you brought up Garrett Green because I actually wanted to mention this, is to me the past two games, um, really I would say three, but the third one would be TC when he had a 67-yard run in the game. I think Garrett Green looked like he kind of regressed to me these past two games. He really hasn't shown me anything in the minimal playing time he's got. Like I said, I know it's been – thing but uh, I, I don't know like some of the late the late game stuff I think the zone read I think I, I realize why he's not playing as much because even as good as he is on that play I don't, I don't think he's that good at reading it like it's like he missed the read I three different times off the top of my head I know in the first half he should have handed it to Justin Johnson and kept it and then late in the game he kept one and then the next one he handed it off and it was almost like he handed that next one off because he knew that the one he kept he should have handed it off and it's almost to me like instead of reading that play at the mesh point like he's supposed to it's like before the snap he decides I'm going to keep this one or I'm going to Yeah, this but one see off. but see to me those are those are things that come with, you know, non-confidence, I guess I should say, the opposite of confidence. You know, you build those kind of those are chemistry things. That's not I mean, it you know it, it very well could be that he's not reading the defense well but to me he was reading those defenses well early on in the season and good defenses you know he played against Oklahoma he got a touchdown off a of rushing play you know up there near the goal line which we all know the West Virginia hasn't done you know successfully at a very high clip this season um so I think he's done he's proved himself to be a viable player against some very good defenses I think that the main thing in my mind you know that Garrett Green struggles with is even though that he's, you know, supporter of Jared Deggie, you know, that's his teammate and they have, you know, a strong bond, which I love that. I think that, you know, the inability to get multiple reps in a game situation, you know, that hinders your ability. You come in cold off the bench, you're only going to be able to do so much. I mean, you've, you've played sports in your life. You know, if you know, if you're, if you're doing something well, you go to the bench, you know, it, it doesn't always it's not always the same thing whenever you come back off the bench, you know, you're going to be a little bit cold. So I think, you know, like you said, it's not a good idea to switch quarterbacks right after the turnover. I think again, it's not a good idea to not let Garrett green see the field essentially until the game is over until late in the fourth quarter, right after he fumbles the ball, because I don't put that entirely on him. I mean, yeah, he's got to do a better job of protecting the football, but when the kid, I mean, this goes for Jared Deggie too. You know, when you don't have time 
and you don't have protection to be able to make a play, it's very hard when that's happening over and over and over again. It's very hard for you to mentally prepare for the next play and tell yourself, okay, I got to make a play this play when you got three and four guys firing at you that are, you know, two and three times your size and it's D one football. That's going to happen, but you, you've got to be able to see it and have experience with it to be able to adjust and have success against it. And I think that's one of the biggest factors that's going against Garrett green right now. And I mean, it, it might not pan out and I could be wrong. I've been wrong a lot in the past, but it just seems like to me that the offense has just a, a better flow and a better, a better rhythm when he's in the game because he can make throws. I'm not, he can't make throws down the field, but he can at least make those little bubble screen passes and those little over the middle passes that, that West Virginia has been not so successful at whenever Garrett, Jared Deggie's in the game. Jared Deggie can make those throws over the middle on a long clip every once in a while. And we've seen that last week against Iowa State, and he did that well last week, but he just can't do it at a consistent, um, a, a consistent rate. And that's my problem with Jared Deggie is. You know, if West Virginia wants to be a you know a contender in this league next year, and they want to build off of this season and not just let this season be, you know, a foretelling of what they're what kind of team they're going to be, you know, I think they're, if they're going to grow at any way, they're going to have to make a, a change at quarterbacks because after three seasons, if we if we haven't seen Jared Deggie grow yet, I just don't think it's going to happen. And I hate to say that because I've been such a fan of the kid, but you know, facts are facts, and this is big boy football, and I just have to. I have to call him how I see him, I guess. Yeah, I think the thing with uh, Daggy that that you know you got to address is when he has the run game helping him and he has protection, he's a pretty he's you know he's a good decent to good quarterback. But if he right. doesn't have the run game and you know is facing a pass rush and doesn't have time to throw, like that's when he freezes up and panics, and that's when you get the bad side. You get a below average to bad quarterback. So you know, and I think. With Garrett Green, the upside with him is I think that if the pass rush, you know, is there and the offensive line struggling, he can get out and make a play. So that is the one good thing you would have with Garrett Green that you don't have with Daigie. And I think, you know, this offense could use more of that. So I think that with me, it's either we need to see more of Green or no green at all to let Daggy stay in a rhythm. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's just a lot of this flip-flop and then the that. way they're, they're, that they're doing it, I think it's causing problems for, for both the quarterbacks. I think they need to ride with one of the two, and especially when you need two wins to get to bowl eligibility in these last three games. Yeah, but and go, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was I was just the only thing I wanted to say was we uh, we might be sleeping a little bit on Will Crowder too. I don't know. If, yeah, you know, I we mean, don't ever mention that. Up. They have been. But you know they talked up the entire team in the offseason. So, yeah, and I was I was just going to bring up a tweet in regards to the quarterbacks. Uh, Keenan Cummings put this one out. Uh, Jared Dagey was under pressure on fifty one point five percent of his thirty three dropbacks, and the Oklahoma State only blitzed on three of those snaps. So that's just bringing four or five. The last two games before that, Dagey was under pressure on seventeen point four percent and ten percent. So I mean, you could see the difference in his play with the with the clean pocket for sure. So I mean, that's. That's the thing with Daigie is, like I said, if he's got a clean pocket, he's not too bad. But that game against Oklahoma State, like you said, I think that was a game where you needed more Garrett Green. And I think that, you know, I said they put him in a bad spot there after the turnover. And, you know, that's when you get the fumble. But I think that also in turn where the coaching staff was like, well, he's not hanging on the ball. We can't can't keep playing him. But I think that that's a game maybe they set out to play more Garrett Green in a game where you needed – more Garrett Green, and it just for whatever reason didn't work out that way. And that 
that didn't help at all either. But, you know, the one thing I, I definitely want to talk about, you know, we talk about quarterbacks and that's always the hot topic, but uh, the run game, I mean, we've harped it a lot, you know, the hundred yards rushing, you know, Brown undefeated with hundred yards rushing. We worried about West Virginia be able to run against them. Hey man, all we needed was 83 more yards. Yeah. I know, seventeen <laughs> yards rushing, and that's you know everyone says you know, but they had the twenty-seven yard loss on the green fumble. Okay, but you take the twenty-seven yard loss away on the fumble, it's still 44, 44 rushing yards or forty-nine, whatever it was. And the thing that I st- stuck out to me there is Jed Drenning put out a tweet before the game. Let me see, I think I've got it here in my notes. Before the game, Jed Drenning put this uh, tweet out. Let me see here. Uh, here, yeah, here it is. The la the it says in WVU's last two games versus Oklahoma State, West Virginia had averaged thirteen points a game, forty seven rush yards a game, four point nine yards uh four point nine yards per play, twenty one tackles for a loss, eight sacks allowed, zero touchdowns and five red zone trips. And you compare that to Saturday's game, West Virginia finished with three points, so you know right on average there, forty seven rush yards a game, pretty much right where they were at this game, four point nine yards a play, probably even less than that. Uh, eight sacks allowed. They allowed eight more, so 16 now. And then had, did have a red zone trip there and no points, so zero TDs and six red zone trips. So the crazy thing is, you know, the past three years, this game went pretty much par for the course for playing Oklahoma State the past three seasons And when you look at that. And now after Because after the game, I went back to reference it just to see. And, yeah, it's all the, the same. I mean, they yeah. just they know how to play West Virginia. Yeah, and I, you could, you know, that's one thing I really did want to touch on. You could tell watching the game yesterday, just seeing the interactions between both the players and the coaches. This, and you know, seeing a lot, you know, a lot of the way that the fans interacted with each other. Um, the, the two programs to me seem to have a lot of respect for each other, and I know that I, you know, I have a lot of respect for Oklahoma State. I like the way their program is ran, um, and you know, you see, we all know how West Virginia fans can be, but you've seen a lot of. Uh, and I mean a lot of black and orange and people in blue and gold coming up to them, thanking them for coming to Morgantown. Even I had a conversation with a guy in a Josh Seals jersey for Oklahoma State and told him what a you know I liked his jersey choice, and he was telling me how you know he's he knows Josh Seals and and you know told me a whole story about that, which I could digress on. But you know I just I really I think that the two of these teams have a lot of similar types of programs, even though Oklahoma State's been you know playing at a more high success rate in the past five to six years, it seems like, than West Virginia. Um, they, they're really similar programs, and I think they, they built what – I thought it was going to be more of a rivalry whenever they first started in the yeah. first few years playing because it just went so back and forth, and then Oklahoma's just <laughs> Oklahoma State's just dominated this in the past uh, few years. But No Oklahoma schools, schools in general, really, if you think about uh, it. Yeah, yeah. And that, but I, I, I did want to touch on that. A lot of – you know, you you normally see West Virginia fans and, you know, they're not so nice to the opposing fans. Not always, but not, not normally, you know, so nice to them. But yesterday it was really I, – I thought it was really cool to see. You know, you see a lot of West Virginia guys going over and helping Oklahoma State guys up and things like that. And, you know, I, I, I really enjoy those types of things because it's, it's nice to – to have respectful opponents every now and then, you know what I mean? That you can have respect for and know that each team appreciates the competition of the other side. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, we'd be um, crazy not to mention, you know, Major Harris's Jersey retirement and acknowledging that as well. Always got to give that yes, a nod, emotional. you know, for sure. 
Definitely, definitely. Uh, in the comments here, got John Covey Cole. Greetings, gentlemen. What's going on, John? So, you Mr. Know, Cole, uh, how you doing, brother? They're out there. They're usually out there rambling. We're in here uh, webcasting, John, you know, a little webcasting. Uh, then we got Fletch Annual in here as well. Y'all's D played good. Oh, really let them down like usual. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> then he says, can y'all please tell good. me why Green never, rare, never slash rarely hands it off. Does he just want Shiner uh, since he don't be playing? Or no, I don't think that's it because Green has little to no effect on or call on play calling. So that that's not his call. It's the you know he can come in and you know he can scramble out of a pass play, and that's about the the most adjustment he's going to be able to do to changing the play call that he was given from the coaching staff. And that's the biggest thing that hinders him right now. I do believe is that you know. He he's going with their with what they're calling, and they're putting him in situations that you know may or may not be what because you know the defense is going to expect a certain thing. You, we all expect them to you know fake the handoff and take it up the middle and run it. So why doesn't the defense, who studies film and knows what you know everything about the offense that they're facing, how are they not going to know that? So I think once you mix in a little bit of pass play, a little bit of play action, you know, start doing some different types of schematic sets with him on offense i don't i don't know how you know he's going to be able to grow as a player if he's just doing the same thing consistently every time if he's in a game situation and he made some good throws yesterday towards the end of the game and i know that's against the you know the second and third string players but even still the throws are throws yeah and that's like i I touched on a little bit earlier when we first were talking about the quarterback sledge but to me it's um, I think that he just has trouble making that read at the mesh point on that, you know, read option RPO play. I think it's almost looks like before the play he decides, I'm going to keep this one or I'm going to hand it off. And, you know, maybe that's something that will come with experience. That's something that we were right. saying for sure. Yeah, he's still young. You know, you got to remember that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, that's – I don't know. That's that's my thing. I think me and, me and Stephen are kind of on opposite ends of the green thing. He's he's ready for green to take it over. I'm – I'm kind of in the past two games. I've kind of dropped down on my expectations on Green a little bit. That's to me, it's more so personal. for me. It's more so for me. I don't hate Jared Deggie as a football player or as a quarterback. I've I've been I've been high up on him all season. I'm still a, a Deggie fan to a certain extent. But to me, if you're you know even if you're two games away from bowl eligibility out of the next three games, I I just think at this point in the season you haven't seen any kind of progress, even if your offensive line isn't giving you time, you haven't seen progress out of Jared Deggie as much as anyone would have liked. And I think the coaching staff, if they don't admit that, then I think something needs to be said (laughs) about that because (laughs) he has not progressed in any form or fashion from what he has been for the past two seasons for West Virginia, at least. No, you're right. I have the think we got Bradley in here on the country roads left. They quote unquote Davey's <laughs> gonna start again next year. Some dummy. Yeah, who said that? Who yeah, said who that? said that? Who I said know. I don't know. His name better not rhyme with Morton. What isn't it? I think it was no, it was it's it was Bradley that said it, right? I mean, I I, I would I like think, this push the blame to him. Hey, yeah. listen, man, we were riding high. He threw for three seventy. I'm like, this guy's coming back next year, twenty twenty two, experience and stuff. But I, I'm I'm gonna be honest. It, I'm I'll stand by that prediction just just in case it happens. And I think if he <laughs> just in case know, it happens, so I look good. <laughs> happens, so, you know, if he does end up coming back, I'm gonna jump on here. Like I told y'all, I, I knew it. I knew it back in week ten of of last year. Yeah, but what if he? Okay, so. Just because he starts doesn't mean he's going to be good. You know what I mean? What if he comes in next season and looks just the same as he did this season and then 
you know, we just got a crappy team because to me, what it seems like it's going to be right now is it, we might get things figured out on offense moving into the next season. And then all these guys on defense are going to leave out and then we're going to be, you know, well, listen, on the opposite in, side of things again. In my defense, I said, I, I think that he could, I could definitely see him come back next year as a starter, just because what you have behind him, you know, if you'd have to go out transfer portal, if you have to get true freshman with Nico or whatever. And I think that he'd want to rely on the experience. And then, like I said, in his case, He's only going, you know, Arena or Canadian, and he can make just as much in college. In my defense, I never said, you know, him coming back is going to be the greatest thing in the world and we're going to win nine or ten games. <laughs> but I did say I, I just predicted that it could and may happen. But yeah. I, I never said how, how good of a thing it would be for West Virginia. Yeah, okay. Well, since we're talking about next season and since we're talking about, you know, things moving forward and predictions of futures, where do you think West Virginia falls this season after – you know, after our predictions from the beginning of the season, what do you think our record will be when we finish out the season with or without a bowl game? Um, uh, you put me on the spot here, man. Jeez. I, I, I know. Well, listen, I mean, I thought Kansas State and Kansas were two definitely w- winnable. But, you know, I looked up Kansas State 6-3 and three and playing them in Manhattan. So, you know, I think that's a toss-up and Texas is a toss-up. I think we'll beat Kansas. Um, but I think that you'll find a way to win one. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Bradley uh, six and six. I think I'll go six and six, but I'll give you a bowl win, seven and six. So that's what I'll say. You're going five. Neil Brown's first year, six is second year, and then uh, with the bowl game win, seven and six this year. So hey, uh, that's a climb, right? Five, six, seven. I think you could call it a climb if you want. Gradual. Uh, <laughs> Bradley, you said six and six. What do you think about the bowl? What do you think about the? Uh, if they win or bowl lose win. a bowl. Give, yeah, what you got to get doing? that. I, you I think, get that. Well, for me, that's the thing. I think if you're not finishing the regular season seven and five, you have to win the bowl game because you can't preach trust to climb and not literally be climbing. I mean, you know what I'm saying? If you go from six wins down to, you know, or down to five, well, I guess if, theoretically, if you stay at six, that's still level, but it's not climbing. Yeah. You're just, uh, yeah. Bradley just said that we will lose to K State and beat the worst team in the Big 12. And then beat Kansas. <laughs> I actually agree with that. I actually agree with that. I actually think we're going to lose to Kansas State, beat Texas, and then Kansas. And I actually have them. I have them losing this year's bowl game, man. I really do because West Virginia just. I mean, I know that they've performed well a bowl game, the bowl game under Neil Brown. I just don't see it, man. I don't see that this offense has enough firepower, uh, even with close to a month off of you know, of being able to rest and get everybody prepared for another football game. I just don't see that the offense has enough firepower to be able to compete, even if they play a low-end team. The, the defense is going to win it if they do win the bowl game. I just So, man, so I, what, do you think six and seven more likely? or Yeah, I yeah, mean, I think six and seven. Yeah, I, mean, I hope not because I'd love to see Neil Brown be like undefeated in bowl games, one of them coaches that always win the bowl game. But that's, that's kind of what I'm putting my, putting my chips in that, that he will be, but – uh, if he wins the bowl game, hard. bowl games are I'll funny. Be, and they're hard to predict. They they're very funny. I think bowl games are the the March Madness of college football to me yeah. because you never know who's going to win. You know what I mean? Like who would have thought West Virginia would have won seventy to thirty three against Clemson? That you know, again in a game against Sammy Watkins and DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> I mean, think about it. West Virginia normally doesn't show up to play, but when they show up to play, they came to play. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And they wouldn't uh, have won that game against – I was going to say this. They wouldn't have won that game against Army last year if it weren't for Jared Deggie. Yeah. I don't think. 
So yeah. I do yeah, give I mean, him credit for that. Yeah. So um John Covey Cole says B Rad, B Rad from Malibu. Yeah, I know he's he's at work, can't be on here with us, but he's hopping in, in the comments. At least that's a big bubba <laughs> B Rad Brad Bradley for y'all the listeners, as y'all know, always bubba on here Brad. on the football show with us as well. Uh Fletch Daniel says five and seven. I mean, it's uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility, I guess. He said, I've said that damn near all year, and y'all thought I was just trying to be funny. Well, I mean, preseason, I thought you were crazy, but hey, maybe uh, you know, maybe us West Virginia fans have the golden blue glasses on too much. Well, if we didn't get told one thing by a coaching staff and then see a completely different thing when we yeah. see in the field, you know, it'd be yeah. a little bit different. But I, th- I guess I guess that like the um the Iowa State Jared Day is practice Jared Deggie. That's the only thing I can That's practice of. Jared Deggie. That's yeah. practice Jared Deggie. That's the one that they saw all off season and stuff is Iowa State Jared Deggie. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I could say a lot of John Covey Cole, my crazy ass picked us going nine and three this year. It yeah, I did too. That's the same, that's the same record I went preseason. With. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I think a lot of people in this fan base thought that they were going to play that well yeah. this year. You what, know, with Steven, the way the defense uh, we you had what eight and four? Uh yeah. And Bradley, I mean Bradley. If okay, Bradley got a, I got a, I got a rag on Bradley. He called out my Jared Daigie twenty two star prediction. Bradley had ten wins, so let's just let's just go there. Even, even though I feel <laughs> yeah, bad for mine, at least I wins. wasn't I wasn't the highest on the show. Even Bradley went ten and ten. <laughs> yeah, Bradley. Bradley had his little blue and gold. Uh, he had the whole suit on. He had glasses and all, the top hat and the cane and everything. It wasn't just the glasses. He had yeah, he, uh, he, he had, had a telescope. Yeah, though he had on that suit. You know that suit that Bob Huggins wore that one time. Bradley was like wearing that on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with the the logos on the legs and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean I, there was a lot of optimism. I mean, even if when I watched the Sportsline prediction show, Greg Hunter and um, what's his name on there, they both you know they're both usually kind of pessimistic. And I think both of them said once at eight, once at nine wins. So a lot of the stuff we were being sold in the off season, it was uh, you know. But everyone was pretty optimistic, but he's Bradley said, but I'm, I'm closest to having the best prediction on what games we would win. I mean, yeah, he is. He is winning the win. season prediction well, you, table right now. Yeah. Well, when you pick every game as a win, that's not that hard, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he said he picked us over. I, I you and had us drop in Oklahoma state. You did. Yeah, have I can't, that. I can't remember if I had us beat that. Oklahoma state in the thing or not, but I know me and you both had losses uh, to Iowa state. And I think I have, uh, four correct so far in the round table. Bradley's at five, and I think you have three, or, or maybe you both. We don't want to talk about it right now, okay? <laughs> Wait, there's still three games left, Bradley. We there's, can come back. Yeah, we can come back, dog. It's all good. We're going. <laughs> we're not going to come back, but we could. I mean, you never know. John Covey Cole says our theme on tomorrow's show is Doctor Jekyll and Mister Mr. Hot. That's that's pretty much this team in a nutshell. I like that. The tale of two teams. The team we saw last week could be anyone in the Big Twelve. Unfortunately, we can't field that team every week. Yeah, consistency is the issue with this team. Hundred percent. I mean, that's what we were talking about earlier. The consistency at quarterback isn't there. You go from last week looking like a you know all Big Twelve first teamer to this week everyone wants to. Bench him again. So I mean, I know. I mean, that's just that's got. just the the uh, the roller coaster of the fan base. You know, you're always going to fa- face that. Anytime West Virginia loses a game, we're going to fire the head coach of whatever team lost. Every time we win a game, you know that person's a legend. We're going to enshrine them in the West Virginia Football Hall of Fame for the rest of their years. So you know, what I mean, we're just we're an extremist fan base uh, to a point. I love that because it's so you know it makes it so passionate. And you can really see how West Virginia's fans care about their team, but to a point, 
you know, it can, it can get on, you know, under your skin a little bit because, you know, these, these guys are really trying their best. We get that, but I don't know. And I think one thing is to be said, you know, this is a little bit off topic, but I think one thing is to be said for how West Virginia isn't the only team to do this this year. Uh, you know, I was talking about it earlier. I think that, you know, there's a, a definitely a kind of a, I don't know the word that I'm looking for. I guess a rhythm in college football right now that you're seeing a lot of these teams that normally or should have been pretty good this season, just they're for whatever reason, they're not. And I don't know if it's, you know, COVID related. I don't know if it's, you know, what NIL related. I don't know what it has to do with um, particularly, but I do notice a, a definite, you know, something in college football throughout the entire landscape of it where normally teams just aren't as good as they you know, as they should be, you know, especially in West Virginia's cases, like we talked about it, they were supposed to be, you know, anywhere from a seven to, to a 10 win football team. And I mean, they could still get to seven if they win the last three, but that's not going to happen if the offense continues to play like this. And I just don't see it happening, but I don't know. I think West Virginia with the recruits that they have coming in, I think that that's really the thing that West Virginia fans need to be excited for because yeah, right now, that's what you need is that because uh, yeah. that's you know Neil Brown. He even you know talked about it. His worry going into this game was you played two straight physical games and you're about to be in another game where it's going to have to be really physical and you know the roster's thin in spots. And I think you know as it continues to get classes, that roster's not going to be as thin. So if you have those physical games, you got the depth behind those guys that you can rotate other guys in or whatever, and not have to worry about players being tired or beat up or or what have you. And so I think you know that moving forward. Definitely recruiting something you can look at on, that's on the uptick and uh, bright for the future. But I, I do like the uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. Going to have to turn in, tune into the Mountaineer Ramble tomorrow night to see that because uh, that's that's a good way to describe this team for sure. Uh, Bradley says he has us win in the last three. Well, I hope you're right. I mean, if you end up being right I on those, you'll, you're right. you'll win the season prediction roundtable. I don't want you to, but I'd rather see us finish at 7-5, and five and I'd be happy with that. Well, I will. I, you know, you want to mention that. I just don't see it happening. And here, and here's one, two more, sta- two more stats that I'll throw out at you. And one of them, uh, John Covey Cole just mentioned, and that was the lowest amount of yards that West Virginia's put up in total offense in 27 years. You know, and if that's not a crazier stat for you, yesterday was the lowest number of total offense that Oklahoma State has allowed in 20 years since to the year 2000. Um, and I forget uh, what exact school that it was against. Um, West Virginia, what are they, 133, right? 130, 100, I think 133, yeah. 133 yards of total yeah. offense yesterday. You don't put that kind of numbers up if you're, you know, progressing as a football team. You know what I mean? You're not going to be I, – I, you know, it's one thing to play that, that bad against Baylor earlier in the season. In my mind – the score wasn't as bad, but this game was worse a worse performance in my mind for WVU because, for one, it was a home game. You're supposed to perform and show up in home games, and they didn't do that. And for two, as the season goes on, you're supposed to show progress in your football team, and they didn't do that either. And none of the players have progressed on offense. The defensive side of the ball, more than okay with. We've seen progression out of several players that I've mentioned on this show that have had b- bad moments in games and there's Sean Mahone, Daryl Porter. There's been a few of them that have really, you know, have had times of where they've lapsed in defense, but they've, they've all shown me progress all season long and pretty much every single game, even with the exception of Sean Mahone, I rag on him a lot, but 
you know, he does a lot of a lot of things well for the things that he doesn't do well. He makes up for, and offense doesn't do that at all. So I see, I see, I see where you're coming from, but I think I got to see these last three and what the offense does before I say one way or the other. Because you know, before this That's game, fair. before this game, since the bye week, I would say they definitely they had progressed, but you definitely saw them regress this game. And that, like we said before, that Oklahoma State defense is really good, but West Virginia still should have done done more than what they did. Um, you know, but yeah. I think it's a really bad matchup is what I'm thinking personally. But I think it depends on what you come out and do these next three games before you can say that or not. But if West Virginia comes out these last three games and puts up, you know, 350 to 400 yards of offense like they did and the other games out of the bye week, then maybe you can look at it and say that was just a really bad matchup for West Virginia. But I think the verdict's still out on that. So I'm not going to disagree with you uh, completely on that because – yeah, I think it's still still to be determined. Uh, but then Fletch and you also in the comments, uh, when y'all going to win? When are y'all going to win a conference championship? You think realistically? Uh, me, I, I knew when Neil Brown took over in my head, I figured it was about a five year rebuild. And so if you're going on a five year rebuild scale, that's what 2023 would be, you know, when you're finally, you know, probably where you can start winning some games. So I would say some 2024, 2025. Maybe you can uh, compete for a conference championship. If you're lucky, maybe 2023 you you know get eight, nine wins or something. But I know that's what I'm thinking, timetable in my head. What, what about you, Stephen? What are you thinking about yeah. timetable to start, you know, we're trusting this climb. When are we going to start seeing that results with it? Uh, I couldn't – I can't disagree with you. I think around 2023 or 2024 because, you know, we really weren't left with anything in terms of recruits whenever Dana Holgerson left this program. So I think you're right. I mean, anywhere from a five-year – rebuild would be would be fair to say because you have to we still have not seen the two the true fruition of what the recruits of neil brown can be i think you know the next one to two seasons we're really going to see what neil brown's offense really looks like you know what i mean and i think that if we can keep some of these guys on the defensive coaching staff that's going to be really important for west virginia uh, that's to me a lot of a lot of the importance for what's going to be the future of West Virginia football team right now is if they can keep some of their good coaches coaches on the on the coaching staff because we already seen last year the defense performed that well in the Jamal Adai bolts for Georgia and then now look at their their defense you know West Virginia has to do and I've mentioned this a lot in the past they have to do a lot better of a job of keeping their their assistance you know on board when we do have good ones so yeah. I you know, just as much as the recruits, I think Neil Brown has to, and and the athletic department as a whole has to do a better job of keeping those ca those coaches on the staff. But you know, as far as recruits, there is without a doubt in my mind, or, or you know, unless you just haven't been watching the way that the recruits you know have been coming in, that this is going to be the best recruiting class in West Virginia football history, Absolutely. you know, as, as a whole. And I think it's just going to do nothing to get better. And I that's one thing I really commend coach Neil Brown on is the way that he's been able to recruit kids to West Virginia right after um, the aforementioned head coach that I don't want to name again, said that you couldn't recruit kids to West Virginia to win a big 12 championship. Lie detector test so, determined. That was a lie. That was a lie. Yes. So, <laughs> so Daniel says, uh, we'll win the big 12 without winning the big 12 without OU and Texas in it. Would that be as rewarding winning it then um i guess he's saying if we win it with when once oklahoma and texas are gone uh bradley already responded in the comments as well said yes 
He said Texas is irrelevant and winning over Cincinnati in a full Big 12 slate is just as good in his opinion. Um, I'm going to say, would it be as rewarding to me? No. No. Uh, I, I, I definitely want to beat Oklahoma and I want to beat Texas, but uh, you know, just play devil's advocate. Did I care when we were winning from 2005 to 2007, the run we went on there, and when we won, what, seven Big East championships in 10 years? Did I care that Miami and Virginia Tech weren't in the league when we were doing it? No, because no. we were winning <laughs> conference championships. So, you know, in that, yeah. I say it, I'm not going to care Oklahoma and Texas are in the league for winning the conference championships. I'm going to be happy regardless. I was going to say, if you're winning those conference championships and going to a college football playoff year in and year out, I'll, I mean, uh, it'd be hard to argue that – West Virginia fans wouldn't be happier with that than where they're at now, you know, and if they were to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you're never going to beat Oklahoma and Texas every single year. Like they beat us. Like, it's just not going to happen. No, as much as I'd love it to happen. It's not going to. So I, I, yeah, I definitely take, you know, beat Cincinnati, which I'm not Cincinnati's a a damn good program. You know what I mean? They are, you know, they're not a blue blood by any means, but they, in the past, decade or so and beyond decade and a half you could even argue have been consistently good at football and i can even remember back when west virginia played them in the big east days that was one of the main teams to watch out for every single year other than louisville Uh, so uh, i don't i don't definitely don't discredit cincinnati whatsoever i have a lot of respect for their program as well yeah absolutely uh dustin reading the comments chiming in espn announcer called it the losses on daggy yeah, he didn't have a lot of time, but they were calling plays to get the ball out quickly, and he wasn't seeing the field. I just don't understand how you have a game like he did against Iowa State that come out like this. Maybe he parties too hard at Morgantown or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know how Morgantown is. It's hard to tell. But, yeah, no, I agree. Oh, we touched on it a little bit earlier when we were talking quarterbacks, but that's the thing with Daigie and as well as this team. You know, we touched on that as well. as just kind of consistency. Like you said, you know, great game against Iowa State, then comes out in this one and doesn't look good. And the protection wasn't great, but – there were times when he had guys open. You know, the broadcast pointed out Stephen being at the game said he could even, you know, see it live and in person. So, you know, just wasn't a great game for Daigie. was really uh, reminiscent of, of the bowl game when he, you know, got pulled against Army and stuff, just kind of freezing like a deer in the headlights uh, when the pressure came. But that's, you know, that's that's Daigie for you. You know, when he's, like I said earlier, when he's got time, he's good. And when he doesn't, he's bad. That's <laughs> That's about the simplest way I know how to put it. But, yeah. Um, John Covey Cole, Fickle won't be at Cincinnati once they join the Big 12. Too good of a coach. Somebody will snatch him up. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all yeah, to see that happen. Yeah. Because Cincinnati coaches are a lot like West Virginia coaches. Open. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if, you know, SEC job comes open, you know, bigger job, yeah, he's going. Yeah. yeah. Well, even even ironically, I just mentioned Jamal died. We got him from Cincinnati, I do believe, from – uh, well, no, he don't know that came from Cincinnati. He came from Arizona. But I think he was in Cincinnati at one point. I don't know. He, if he was in Cincinnati from, as a running backs coach. As a, yeah. as a matter of fact, he didn't even coach the defensive side of the ball up there, Strangely which I thought enough. was yeah, I was yeah. I thought that was kind of weird when I seen it. But yeah, Fletch Annual next year, your offense is going to be nice, and your defense going to be like your offense was this year. You heard it here first. Um, I mean, looking at it, the offense is definitely going to be more you know returns more than the defense does next season, but. Yeah. I yeah, I even said that as, earlier. <laughs> yeah, well, I think as long as West Virginia has Jordan Leslie, though, the defense is going to be, you know, at least decent. I think the defense will be able to hold its own. I would, I would love to say that and agree with you, but you know, I said the same thing whenever we had um, uh, Tony. What's his last name? Why am I having? Uh, why Tony Fields? No, the defensive coordinator. Oh, Tony Gibson. Tony Gibson. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't think Gibby. Yeah. 
I said the same thing when we had Gibby because I gave all the credit in the world to Gibby, and we still came out and had a flat defense that year. So, you know, you can – I'd give all the credit to Jordan Leslie, and I think he's a great defensive coordinator, but – and I'm not saying that they won't, but if you don't have the talent to be able to, you know, produce on the field, there's only so much you can do as a head co- – or, you know, as a defensive coordinator. Uh, but I, with that being said, I think well, West Virginia's got a lot of good talent coming in on the on the defensive side of the yeah. ball. So well, that's what I was going to say. I thought they was going to take a huge step back this year, and you know, statistically they have, but statistically they're also still a top twenty-five, top twenty defense nationally. When we thought, right. you know, we lost Tyke, we lost Rashawn. So that's that's just why I say I put the faith in Jordan Leslie after that, because after I seen it this year, I'm like, what's to stop him from doing the same thing next year with a bunch of other new faces? Yeah, Fletch says I'm hoping that Nico ain't a bust because the WV fans riding riding heavy on him and putting putting all the putting they all to putting all into him, all into him, and he ain't even played a snap at WVU yet. What if he's a bust? Um, well, that's, if all signs point to Lauderdale, if all signs point to Lauderdale, then that's very very possible that that could yeah. actually end up being the case. Uh, but like I've like I've touched That's on before, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to like temper my expectations and pump the brakes a little bit. That's why I've kind of went away from saying Nico's going to start next year because I think you know, like I've, I've went out and said, you know, the way that they've handled the green situation, um, you know, Daggy possibly coming back, the transfer portal being a factor. I think that Neil Brown has shown that he wouldn't be likely to start a true freshman, but Nico I think is very taunted. But I'm pumping the brakes on that just to temper my expectations personally because. With my expectation with w, um, experience with WVU and recruits in recent years, I'll just throw some names out right now. Oscar Shebway, Issa Ahmad, William Crest, Ford Childress, um, Jason Gwaltney. And and so that's though that's why I t- I'm trying to temper my expectations. No, I'm I'm a lot like you. You know, I I was higher up on the the train of him starting next year, but like you, I think that the way that he's handling the Garrett Green situation shows me that he does not trust young quarterbacks. And I think that that might actually bode well for Nico moving moving forward with West Virginia if he decides to stay, you know, with the program, which I hope he does. Um, you know, the, it might not be a bad idea for him to sit in, in red shirt for a season and let Garrett Green, let the, you know, or whoever it is next year, have the offense and, and grow behind them. Because I don't think Garrett Green's a person that's, a bad leader for someone like Nico because Nico and Garrett's game is very similar. You know, they're both dual threat quarterbacks. They both, you know, are very good at running the ball. I think Nico probably has a better arm than what Garrett Green has, um, stronger and more accurate. But I think, you know, that's going to be a hell of a quarterback room. I think the only thing that makes is going to make it to where Nico wants to transfer or not come to WV though, is if they recruit another person in his class. Um, I don't think the competition is what he's trying to shy away from. I mean, you're going to have competition anywhere you are recruited to as a quarterback. So I don't think that that's going to be the issue. I think it's going to be if he has to compete year in for the first two years, at least with someone in his own class. Uh, but I don't think West Virginia is going to end up doing that. No, I think, I think that Nico's the going to be the only one in the class and I think he's going to come. And I think, you know, I think if he has the red shirt, I don't think he's the type that's going to leave if he doesn't start right away. Uh, somebody said if he doesn't start for two years, he might transfer. I, I don't. I don't think that he uh, I would. I, I think that he's bought in, but you, it's hard to tell in today's game, you know, because 
players can, and you know they can find somewhere to start pretty quickly. So yeah. uh, it's hard it's hard to say, but it seems like he seems like he's pretty bought in. Um, I guess we're getting close to wrapping this thing up here. Uh, getting close to the hour mark in this one, but uh, you know we also will have the Oklahoma, I mean not the Oklahoma State. This is the Oklahoma State reaction. The Kansas State, uh, you know the state too many state teams, but uh, Kansas State preview will be coming this week on the podcast. You know if you're tuning into this on the podcast, uh, you're getting the uh, pre-recorded version. We'll take this live stream, flip it in the podcast, put it on there. But uh, we're streaming live with our reaction shows on Sunday, following the WVU games on. Uh, youtube and on our facebook as well uh be sure and check that out follow us on twitter at wvu country roads uh for updates and things like that and then you know the podcast on any platform you want uh blah 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 plugging away uh what have you and also but, check uh, out the mountaineer ramble with yeah yeah definitely check out the mountaineer ramble those guys will be live tomorrow night they do a great wvu show as well john covey cole uh, ramble on my dudes hey man ramble on and uh, we're webcasting on over here uh yes, and uh, speaking of the Country Roads webcast, we have the Hoops uh, edition of the Country Roads webcast up and running this year. Preview show uh, just dropped, you know, the debut show. So check that out if you haven't already. And then, of course, I have another show dropping this week as well. So a lot coming from the Country Roads webcast. We'll have the Kansas State preview on the football side and then uh, a couple basketball shows coming as well. Um, any final thoughts on Oklahoma State or anything you want to add, Stephen, before we uh, jump out of here? Uh, like I said, you know, a lot a lot more of a disappointing performance than I think anybody in the, in the you know fan base would have even expected or like to see. I just, I hope that we can get things figured out moving forward and finish this, this season strong and, and, you know, get to a bowl. And that's the only thing I'm really fighting for right now is two more wins. And with two, with three very winnable games, uh, I, that's the only, the only thing on my mind is, getting two more wins to be able to get to that point. But, you know, the main thing I'm thinking right now is, wait, man, at least basketball is on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, yeah. we got that to look forward to. Yeah, that's like that's like the, that's the cycle, how it goes. Uh, high expectations for football towards the end of the season. It's basketball season. Yeah. Going yeah. good. Then you get the – then whenever you get put out in the tournament, uh, how, how much longer till football? <laughs> Can't wait yeah, for football. Say, basketball season is the real disappointing time because you know nothing. You know that's the, the the end of it for a good summer, and then you know you got to wait until football starts back up again. Yeah, that, that's the great. What, I was say when basketball. Yeah, because football you're going right into basketball. After basketball ends, that's just when you're kind of sitting around like that, like that meme of uh, the guy from Narcos on the swing set. <laughs> yeah, and you know, for us, you know, you'd think that we would. Cause you know, for us, you know, where we do shows and stuff, you know, we're like busy with football, and then once basketball starts, busy, 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 and then you know, once football ends, you know, it's still busy because you got so many basketball games, and then all at once, it's just a drop off, and then we have yeah. nothing to do. We're sitting there bored and not that's knowing like, what to do with our time. That's when I gotta like drop an episode just you know just to keep it going about like yeah. once a month. Like um, we had a transfer come in, and um, the coaching staff has seen the players lifting weights. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> they were some heavy weights, I, I'll tell you. <laughs> just you find, like the most random pieces of news just to talk I about to start, something. We're going to have to start talking about, you know, the state fair uh, or something. Or something. Conference realignment, I guess that maybe that'll still be going on. Something will happen there. Hopefully, who knows? Yeah, with well, the way everything's going to college sports now, I think there's going to be a lot to be talked about in the off seasons uh, in the future coming up, you know, especially yeah. like you said, transfer portal and everything that goes on in the summer nowadays, you know, it's, it's almost a full year, a full year event. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, 
It's uh, and you know that's that's that is one good thing we'll have to talk about. I guess I think it's about a month and a week away from uh from signing day. I think it's December fifteenth or yeah. December sixteenth. So have that for football, and then you know after signing day, that's when you'll start getting some uh, transfer portal moves. Players will transfer in because you know they'll only take you know sixteen to twenty commits in that, and save the rest for transfers before and after spring football. So there'll be some news coming on. Hopefully, uh, WV basketball's got some. Uh, good things going in there as well. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a busy time, and uh, we're going to be covering here on Country Roads webcast. So, uh, continue we love to tune it. in with us. Of course, we love it. Always we love, love the sports. Uh, best best time of the year, and I'm not saying that just because uh, it's the hol- holiday season coming up. I'm more referencing the WVU sports, but yeah, I, I do think that you know as as bad as well. I don't think they're going to be a bad team. But I think the basketball team are going to uh, surpass expectations of what they're expected to be this year because I have not seen a West Virginia basketball team shoot the ball that well. Even you know, and that's even including the the Final Four team. You know, they weren't a great offensive team. They were a great defensive team, and they were very long in that Final Four team. And they could shoot the ball just well enough to be able to to you know to beat teams with the defense that they had. But this the offense are shooting and you know they've got a lot of games left to play i get that but the way that they played the other night i haven't seen them shoot the ball that well in a very long time yeah i think it's gonna be be exciting exciting season to watch because they're gonna be scoring and hitting you know some deep jumpers it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch if if nothing else you know you're gonna definitely get a lot of enjoyment and excitement from this team uh you know pressing shooting threes it's it's gonna be a different brand of mountaineer basketball it's almost almost more like a john beeline team like that's what i was getting ready to mention that's why i think it's it's been so long is because john beeline's teams could shoot man they could shoot and he really liked to shoot the three ball too and i think absolutely that that was a lot of fun to watch i remember you know i remember one game specifically i don't mean to go on because we're pushing on an hour here but i remember a game uh, I I think it was we'll 2005. We we'll go all night talking about WV now. <laughs> I think it was a game. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was 2005. I know we played Pitt, and they were uh, they had a pretty good basketball team that year. And it was the game that Kevin Pitt's knuckle, uh had went off, and they went into uh, maybe it was one or a couple, maybe even three overtimes, and we ended up beating them. But you know, I I just remember like those teams. I mentioned Kevin Pitts Noggle and you know even John yeah, Beeline's son Patrick Beeline. Patrick could shoot the ball too. Oh, and Mike Gansey and a lot of those guys. Game. Yeah, man, and Mike Gansey and a bunch of those guys, man. They had, they had a really, you know, what kind of team? And I honestly kind of a little bit remind you of this year. Is I hope so. Without the press, they didn't have the press back in um, as as you know as much as they do nowadays, anyway. Right. But it was a lot of fun to watch, man. That's why I can't really wait to see what they got this year. And speaking yeah. of John Beeline, I really yeah. hope that that man gets another chance in coaching because he's uh, a, that's he'll, a he'll great turn head up coach. somewhere. He's gonna he's gonna land a gig somewhere. Got got to. Yeah, yeah. I really hope he does. He might even return to the college game. Yeah, kind of I wouldn't be surprised. That, that's kind of what I'm expecting. He's he's he flourishes there, so you know, I definitely wouldn't be surprised. You know where wouldn't be a bad all. fit? Texas Tech. Oh, I, like I think that. I think he would be a. I, like I don't. That. I wouldn't like it because he would play West Virginia a lot. But I think that he would really fit well there. I do. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, but I wouldn't like the match having to match up. Yeah, but I'd. Uh, I could see it for sure. Yeah, him and him and old Huggy Bear going head to head. That'd be some good matchups there. That'd be you fun. Think him, you think Bill Self and West and Bob Huggins have some good matchups every year? Oh man, I think I think John Beeline <laughs> be and, and Bob Huggins. That would be some legendary some coach Cal versus coach hugs type of, uh, type of games there. Yeah. And, and getting it yearly, that'd be awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Also, also, I don't like Coach Calipari anymore. Really? I'm not a big fan of him, man. I think uh, Sheboy situation or yeah. Yeah. I think it was more so the, the Sheboy situation because yeah, not, it that. wasn't that he transferred there. I get that. You know, I'm, I'm all for guys, you know, fit in their own situation and things like that. But the way that coach Cal handled it, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't, there's not anyone that can convince me that coach Cal called coach Huggins beforehand and let him know that that was what was going on. I thought, you know, to be friends, it's a pretty shifty thing to do. I really, I just didn't, I didn't respect the move at all on coach no. Cal's part. No, I agree. I think it was uh, definitely some backdoor talking through some backdoor channels and stuff for, you know, Oscar to, you know, start the way he did and then drop out. And then, you know, just the way it went down, uh, I definitely yeah. I agree. I could, I could see that. I could see that 100%. Hey, but uh, for some more Hoops Talk, check out the CRW Hoops <laughs> pod this week. And then also, uh, you know, bad matchup with Oklahoma State. But I think the bright side is I uh, got a good matchup with uh, – Kansas State are a team that you've matched up with good since Neil Brown <laughs> took over anyway, I guess would be the better way to put it. Oklahoma State's had your number and it's, you know, bad matchup, but I think you got a, a better matchup against Kansas State. So um, we'll see what we think about it on the Kansas State preview dropping this week and tune in to hear our predictions and uh, see if we think the Mountaineers can get back on the winning side of things. Got to win two of these last three. So hopefully it starts uh, this Saturday, but we'll talk to you about it this week here on the Country Roads webcast. As always, I'm your host, Jordan. For Steven and uh, Bradley, who's not here with us, but he's been in the comments and tuning in. But all three of us will be back together this week. And then, of course, CRW Hoops catch Bradley, Steven, and Ryder uh, dropping that out. And uh, find us on any platform you like, Country Roads Webcast. Subscribe, share us around, continue to go through Mountaineer Nation, hopefully. And uh, we'll do this again soon. We'll see you next Sunday for the Kansas State uh, reaction live stream. Until next time, let's go Mountaineers. <laughs>